Are you passionate about making a difference through design? Join us at the Human Centered Design Network's Circle, a new private community for change makers just like you. Connect with like minded professionals, gain exclusive rights to monthly learning opportunities, and lead the change in human centered design. For more information, see thisishcd.com. Now, let's get back into that episode. Hello and welcome to Getting Started in Design. My name is Jerry Scullion and I'm a service design trainer and practitioner based in Dublin City, Ireland. I caught up with Zoe Murray recently, a UX researcher in the BBC. Now, I first met Zoe in Sydney many years ago in a previous life where Zoe was a recruiter and managed to make the successful transition across into the world of UX. Zoe's so open about her mindset in this episode and at the time of trying to break into the industry, what obstacles she faced and how she got started into a new world of a career in design. This episode is a really great one for anyone currently thinking about making that move, and it allows you to get an extra perspective on how to do it and what works so well for Zoe. So let's get straight into the episode. Zoe Murray, a very warm welcome to Getting Started in Design. Thanks, Jerry. I'm delighted to have you here, Zoe. Um, I've actually known you for a number of years as we're sitting down here in Dublin. We met... uh, Oh, 2011, 2012, probably back in Sydney. Um, and it's really interesting um, today to meet you because, you know, you're, we're going to find out a little bit about what you do in your current role at the BBC. But we're interested to see your, your career arc and how you've got to where you got to today. So Zoe, warm welcome. Tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do. Oh, thanks, Jerry. Uh, yeah, so I'm a researcher, design researcher for BBC yeah. in Manchester. I work in... BBC Sport and Live platforms, so uh, any live platform that is showing content through the BBC, so it could be working with the news team as well. Yeah, I'm a big user of the BBC Sport app. Oh, good, good to hear. Saturday afternoon, I'm always refreshing that page to see how Liverpool are getting on. (laughs) So Zoe, when we met, like it's really interesting because when we met initially, um, you were as a recruiter. Yeah, and um, I know a lot of people listening to this podcast and, and specifically are interested in getting into design. Yeah, and um, so I'm interested to see, you know, that thought process. Was it what year was it you, you moved into into UX design? So it was 2016. 2016. Yeah, and we actually had a conversation around 2015, wasn't it? Around that time. Yeah, I think it was, and you'd ex- and expressed a, a big interest in UX design, and um, I wanted to talk through a little bit more about the conversations you were having with your employer at that stage. You, they hired you as a recruiter, and what were you recruiting in? So I was recruiting in, in design. So I worked with a lady that very kindly. Um, sort of she recommended that I spoke to people who were like head of design level um in Sydney just to build up kind of a a a network and library of knowledge about the area yeah and um yeah as I as I was working in that industry and helping people find jobs in it I was really interested in it myself um but I had a feeling that I'd lean more on the research side. Hmm. Um, I would always been interested in design. My dad owned his own graphic design business when I was younger. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think for for me it was more on the on the research side. So I, w- I was basically speaking to people, helping them find jobs in in design, uh, research, and yeah. hands-on design. And um, I did a course outside of work just to learn a bit more about it. And what course was that? So that was the General Assembly. 
Um, it was the part-time UX course. In Sydney? Uh, yeah. So mm. I learned about it because I was going in there as a mentor for people that were doing the course originally while I was recruiting. So you were, you, while you were recruiting, you were a mentor for the yeah. other people about how to get a job in design. Was exactly. It? Jeez, yeah. this is perfect. So were, we're going to be talking about this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you were mentoring people where you actually wanted to be as well you were like looking at those people going i'd love to do this yeah yeah so it was it was a a double-edged sword for me but it was it made it more interesting and maybe more keen to get into it myself yeah after i'd finished work i'd go in there in the evenings and then help people with their portfolio um, that were moving from other industries into design yeah so what kind of problems did you have at that stage or what kind of questions did you have should i say um, when you're a recruiter trying to get into UX design, how did you rationalize that thought process and, and moving into that new world? So I knew originally that like I, I was making good money in recruitment, like, yeah. um, but I, I knew that I'd have to kind of take a step back uh, to train as a, a junior like in, in design. So I was always like aware of that. And then uh, because of the visa that I was on, I was waiting for my permanent residency of Australia to come through. Right. And I think because my employer, when I was a recruiter, they could pretty much tell that I was really, <laughs> really interested in design. And, and there was jokes about, oh, as soon as you get your visa, you'll be off, won't you? Yeah. You know? um, I, and because I was doing that course outside of work as well. Um, there was a, a few jokes from the lads at work like I'd finish work and then they'd go oh she's off now she's off to do a prototyping see you later and you'd already bought your black rimmed glasses at that stage and <laughs> that's it <laughs> so you were you were starting to get more into general assembly and you, you were looking to, to move across to do the course yeah um, and what did you learn in the course so it was yeah it was a part time course for I think it was either six or eight weeks now but you do um you do everything from like finding out how to run research, how to hmm. um, how to different prototyping tools, and I, I could tell at this point. So I did mine about um, my project was about redesigning the application process for permanent residency. Yeah, um, because I found that such a, a difficult thing to do online, and um, hmm. it, it was it was just it was quite a tricky one. So I was also keen to do something that was outside of recruitment. Is that I'll never forget that first day of the course, uh, the course instructor was asking what kind of backgrounds did we all come from? Mm. And uh, most people were like visual design or maybe uh, project management, business analysts. And I remember I was the only one that hadn't put my hand up for whatever it was, like my, my industry that I'd come from. And then the course instructor was like, so w- what kind of background do you have? And I, I said, well, I recruit in UX. And then... Uh, and then I felt like a pin drop in silence and, and then I just had to be like, I'm not trying to place you all like <laughs> I do I do wanna I, I do wanna learn this as well and It's funny, isn't it? Yeah. Because I actually think recruiters are actually probably one of the be- best placed um to get into UX because mm. they understand the business side of design as well. So they're they're looking at what people are looking to get out of the role. Yeah. Whereas sometimes if you move from like say graphic design into UX, you're kind of only restricted to that level of thinking. Mm. So it was, it was probably a really good transition for you to make. It was really, um, it was really helpful with the interviewing side of things and having to have <laughs> empathy for people. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, you were nailing your interviews, were you? Yeah, <laughs> no. So talk to me about you. You did the course, and you were still in your role as mm-hmm. a recruiter. What happened next? So yeah, I did that, and as soon, well, it was quite soon after I'd got my 
residency through. Two o'clock, four o'clock, you resigned. <laughs> Nine o'clock the no. next day, your first interview but set up by you and your previous job. <laughs> it wasn't the. It wasn't that thought out. It it, it worked out. Put it that way. I, I felt lucky. So I, I did the the project. I I was happy with the grade I got. And then, um, I as soon as I, yeah, as soon as that was up, I had a, a friend that worked at Wilson Fletcher, the service design company, hmm. and he recommended that I went and spoke to them. And they were doing a project about um, redesigning uh, export loan processes for the government. For uh, and this was looking at it was an online uh, online application that they wanted to redesign and my role was insights analyst for that project so I was there for three months at Wilson Fletcher on a on a contract hmm. yeah and then I, I moved to another company after that uh, and then the, it was the person who I knew as a candidate I was representing him for a role years ago and he was UX manager like research manager level and he took me on as a junior uh, which I was really grateful for yeah so what kind of questions did you get um at that first interview for Wilson Fletcher in Sydney you know people um, might have been a little bit skeptical about um moving from career to career and that's an obstacle for some people so I'm keen to see what kind of questions you got and how you got around those it was very much trying to understand what I knew about UX uh, versus being able to recruit for UX. So um, there was a, it was a case of me walking through that project of what I'd done. And then I was working as well uh, doing, it was work for a startup as well outside of work when I was still at Mitchell Lake recruiting. So I, I was able to talk about that and then also like the General Assembly work it was more about showing the passion to want to get into it, I guess. Yeah. So you, you were working yeah. when you were in, a, in that first yeah. job as a recruiter. Yeah. You were also doing a, a side project yeah. in UX, yeah. which is really interesting because it's kind of like when we were speaking earlier, um, you were lowering the risk. Yeah. Um, like you, you, you tested it. You almost got a prototype of your, of your new career. Oh, this is and great! Yeah. You were trying to validate <laughs> if that was something you were interested in. I guess I'm filling in the, in your own words here, like, but, but you know, what what did you get out of having that side project, and how how did you juggle the two roles? So I I was really grateful. It was a a man I knew from Sydney called Mike Fagali, and um, yeah, he had his own consultancy called Experity, and it was doing. Um, work for a travel startup and my my role was more in the in the research side again there doing a bit mm. of usability testing um and so it i knew that i was really grateful for these people to give me a chance to do this sort of work and it, it also helped me then see could i actually do this and like is is research the right area for me rather than actually doing the the more the UI side of things um, it just made me more interested to just get going and try and get a per- more permanent sort of role yeah, yeah. I built the hunger yeah up. exactly so looking back at that period and I keep on going back to that period because mm-hmm. I think that's the, the area of, of interest for a lot of people yeah. like moving from one career to another career is really difficult for some people yeah. to, to do and also to, to get around successfully and you managed to do it really successful because you're, you're now in the BBC and I know you're loving your job over there so um what I'm interested in is what would make that transition easier and what did you what did you need to make that transition better? Yeah, I suppose I'd I'd been a bit daring with moving to Sydney in the first place, so I was I was quite open to, to change. Um, yeah. 
Like I was I was a paralegal in the UK before I moved to Sydney. Like that was a completely different yeah. area, area of work as well. So I thought, oh, there's nothing to lose really. Just give it a good a good go. Um, it was about making sure that I set myself up enough money to, you know, get, yeah, to, to get by for for that kind of change. And then, yeah, I, I knew that I wanted to stay in Sydney for, hmm. for a while at that point. I'd got got my residency and because I, I got to know quite a few people hmm. in, the, in the industry through recruitment, I felt... Yeah, supported. Yeah, yeah. Re- really um, fortunate that people were willing to take take me on in in a new sort of role yeah so you've you know you accepted the role at wilson fletcher and you moved on to another role uh shortly after that a couple yeah. of months later talk to me about what you learned in that role uh, at tabcorp uh, so i learned a lot about usability testing i was the sole researcher working with nine designers and that was looking at uh redesigns for the website and the app uh, yeah. And then that was iOS and Android. And so I was doing anywhere between seven to 10 usability tests a week. And they were an hour long each. Yeah, cutting your teeth. Yeah, yeah. And and that was doing all the discussion guides, doing the, the actual testing and then the analysis and reporting back and presenting that back to products. So it was it was it was great experience to to really get going and and yeah Yeah. have to move quite quickly on stuff as well yeah and then you moved on to another role and you eventually you know went back to the uk which again is another big shift a big a big leap yeah um and you've ended up now at the bbc team yeah tell us about your role at bbc and what you're doing yeah so i'm design researcher for bbc sport and live as i mentioned earlier uh so there's there's 10 designers in the team, in the in the UX team in sport, mm-hmm. and I work with, with them and work across, there's, there's four different product teams, so they each have their own product owner, uh, so that would be looking at uh, BBC Sport Apps, one team, uh, the sport website, there's Live, which is another team, and then there's one called Sports Web Data, and they do all of the scores and fixtures tables for, nice. for all the sports. So talk to me about what it looks like on a day-to-day basis for people who are looking to get in to see, see what you're doing on a day-to-day basis. Yeah, so I'm, I'm really lucky that the role is quite varied in in the BBC. So I'd say we've got a really good research community mm. um, in in the BBC. There's there's about 19 or 20 of us researchers in in Manchester and London so right. on a Monday we have a, a, a research studio day so in the morning mm. uh, we, we sit together in Manchester and then the other guys do in London uh, we have a team meeting where we all speak about what research we're focused on mm. because we, you know if we're trying to design a holistic experience for users of BBC we want them to still feel like uh, they they're having a similar experience whether they're watching something on the sport app or whether they're mm. listening to something on BBC Sounds. So we have to collaborate together and see where there's areas of crossover on the research that we're doing. Yeah, um, which is always great to see what everyone's up to. And sometimes if I'm doing something with like the news team for live, I'll I'll go to London and work with the team yeah. there. Um, then on say middle of the week, it, it depends. Usually I have anywhere between like eight to ten projects on at once. So because I'm the only researcher in, in a team that's got quite a few designers in, it's great that they're also 
interested in and able to do some of the research with me. Yeah. Um, because I think before I joined, there was a, a period for a few months where they had no researcher. So they, they did some of the, the actual testing as well. Um, I when, when I joined, I did a bit of... Um, I'd prepared some sort of materials to help kind of give some tips on how to run like self-serve research methods so that if I'm working on something that's a bit more strategic that needs like Mm. a lot of thinking, you know, from the get-go, then that frees up my time a bit. Yeah. Yeah. So so knowing what you know now versus what you thought you knew then, um, talk to me about, uh, you know, that thought process. Like what, what do you wish you knew back in 2015 when you made the leap like has there been that much of a difference in what you thought the role was going to be as a UXer anyone that's thinking of doing it it's it's worth just trying to do do your research into what area you want to get into in design so that you know you can really focus on that rather than thinking oh I just need a job in in design like know what you're stronger at like I I knew that if I was to try and and take a job and then be told to do a lot of prototyping that wouldn't be like my area of uh, like strength yeah yeah exactly I I can do the basics but that wouldn't be something that I would be able to add much value in and I think anyone that's got skills that are relevant from the role that they're you know that they're moving from then make the best of that to carry that forward yeah exactly like I I remember when I was a recruiter, I placed a lady who was a, a um, business analyst into into UX, and and she was doing a bit of the prototyping anyway, and it, it just it was a great move for her, and she's really enjoying being in UX now. Yeah. So, what would you say to like one of your friends, uh, sisters, or brothers who came to you, and they just finished school or something, and they're like, "Oh, your career and your role sounds really interesting uh, as a UX researcher." What advice would you give them? Well, usually I would send loads of like reading material to help help them mm. sort of or podcasts. Edu- yeah, there you go, or <laughs> podcasts uh, to help educate them. And then, so for example, now I uh, mentor two uh, students, two uni students outside of work. One, uh, so one guy is at Manchester Uni, and he's doing. Um, a PhD in in psychology. Like he's he's really clever guy, and I meet with him once a month, and I help him with his portfolio, and just talk to him about what companies I know are doing interesting work, and you know if he wants to try and uh, speak to people, I, I might be able to recommend yeah. just you know informal coffees or whatnot uh yeah. he's been into bbc sport and presented to some of our teams so well, that's like, very good of you yeah he's, oh, he's yeah. a great guy yeah. i'm sure you appreciate it so me- mentorship is one that keeps on coming up whenever i've done any sort of early stage research for these podcasts um you know when we were speaking there earlier there was uh there seems to be a, a bit of a lack of mentorship in the early days is that true so it, it would have been really helpful but I think through going to networking events, you get to know a variety of different people and then you can sort of form your own opinion on what you're learning from different people, you know, rather than just staying with, say, one one same person that you you, you might come to rely on a bit. I, I think there's... There's definitely benefits to having a mentor. Like my 
previous colleague in recruitment, she was a mentor to me because she, yeah, Emma Jones, yeah. So she was amazing because she gave me a list of names of people to speak to about design. And so meeting them in the early days was really good because then I'd, I'd speak to them once I had transitioned into into design and then it, it was a case of, oh, Zoe's actually doing this. And Yeah, that was me. Yeah, yeah that, that was you. I, I remember going, oh, she's got a job. Okay, cool. Oh, she's got another job. Cool. And then, like, oh, she's over in England. Oh, cool. Oh, she's at BBC. Wow, this is great. And I was like championing you from from afar. Like I was delighted oh, to thanks. see that. Like you know, um, but I'm really interested in and in how that process could be made better and easier for mm-hmm. people looking to get into into design. I guess. Do you have any thoughts on that? And how could we make it a little bit more accessible to people? So I think. It depends. Is it, there are a lot of great courses in in the unis in I know in the UK now. Um, yeah. Like I sometimes speak at at Manchester Metropolitan University. There's a um, I I'm going in there in a in a couple of months to talk about usability testing and um, I'd I'd also been into Preston University a few months ago talking about design thinking. So. I think there are some really good courses now that are focused on that more so than I knew in Sydney anyway. Um, that that seemed a case of more like external courses where you'd do like the General Assembly or yeah. Academy XI um, and they were like paid for courses whereas it seems like there is, mm. there, there is a, a lot more kind of going on in the unis right now. And then in terms of yeah. the actual design scene in Manchester's good I know it is definitely good in London and um it, it's great seeing what it's like here in Dublin this weekend yeah. uh but yeah there's I think these sort of community events where there's one called Real UX which is really good in in Manchester uh, it's just about having a chat with people really and and seeing and and knowing that people come from different backgrounds and and really like it's all about if you've got transferable skills that are going to be relevant yeah you may have to take a cut from your current pay if you you know if you especially if you're at a more senior level in whatever you do you you've got to be open to the fact that you've, you you you're starting off yeah how do you stay on top of your skills um as a as a ux researcher and a ux designer yeah so i i do a lot of like like i go to events i do a, a, quite a lot of reading um listen to podcasts you you know the one i'm thinking about <laughs> um, and then I, I would say like that was a big draw for me joining the BBC was that research community because where I was re- uh, like previous to that I was working as a sole researcher so when I was at booking.com in Manchester before I joined the BBC uh, there, there were a, a few researchers in the in the business but wasn't working that closely um, as, as say we are in the in the BBC um, and so just learning from people that are more senior than I am is always always really helpful. And then also people that are, um, I, I try and learn as much as I can about design process because I, even though I'm, I'm involved in it heavily, I'm, I'm not. I'm not actually hands-on myself with the design. So I like, for example, when it comes to doing presentations, I, I always laugh like 
creating decks is like I, I do it, but that's I'm always like, oh guys, how can I make this look better? Come on, yeah. I'm wasting about an hour here trying to move this column up left on the. How do you do it? Yeah. yeah, and that's a big thing, like for anyone getting into design or even just you know people in research. You don't have to be great visual designers, or no, it's it's a lot about the process and and having the, the craft and understanding how to interview people it's it's it is a craft at the end of the day yeah zoe we're coming to the end of the episode um if people wanted to reach out to you how might they do that yeah definitely so i'm I'm on linkedin so it's just zoe murray i'll throw a link to your linkedin profile in the show notes yeah great so um people can reach out to you if they've got any questions zoe thanks so much for your time no thanks a lot jerry it's been great to see you and great to be here I hope you enjoyed this episode and if you'd like to be part of the conversation or community, hop on over to thisishcd.com where you can join the Slack community and help shape future episodes and connect with other designers around the world or join the HCD newsletter where you can win books and get updates. Subscribe to our content on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and listen to any of our other podcasts such as Getting Started in Design, Bringing Design Closer with myself, Jerry Scullion or Power of Ten with Andy Pallain or Decoding Culture with Dr. John Curran, ProdPod with Adrian Tan, and Ethnopod with Jay Hasbrook. Thanks for listening and see you next time.